Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled A Close-Up on VEGF-Targeted Therapies in Diabetic Retinopathy and Diabetic Macular Edema. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent educational grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. Hello, I'm Dr. Lloyd Clark from the Palmetto Retina Center in Columbia, South Carolina, and Assistant Clinical Professor of Ophthalmology at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine. And today we're going to talk about a close-up on VEGF-targeted therapies in diabetic retinopathy and diabetic macular edema. Diabetic eye disease is now the number one cause of severe vision loss in the United States, and so it's critical that we use effective strategies to manage our patients with diabetic eye disease. In the first session, we'll center on the clinical significance of the efficacy data of approved VEGF-targeted therapies focusing on patients with DME. We have a number of agents available for the treatment of diabetic macular edema. The first drug approved by the FDA was ranibizumab. Compared to laser, these patients did very well with 10 and 12 letters of visual acuity gains, had excellent anatomic outcomes with early and robust improvement in central retinal thickness. Similar findings several years later with the registration studies for a flibercept 2 milligrams. Patients again gained around 10 to 12 letters of visual acuity. The difference here is that after the loading period, patients could be managed with a flibercept every eight weeks as opposed to monthly. One key finding was this characteristic sawtooth appearance in the OCTs in the every eight-week group. The good news in diabetic eye disease is these short-term fluctuations in OCT do not appear to be clinically relevant in terms of causing changes in vision loss. Fast forward to 2022, and we now have our first dual-action agent, ferisumab, for treatment of diabetic macular edema. This drug binds to both vascular endothelial growth factor and the ANG2 protein. Similar visual acuity outcomes. The difference here is that a large proportion of patients could be managed with injections as infrequently as 16 weeks. Just recently, brolicizumab, another single-acting anti-VEGF agent, was approved by the FDA for diabetic macular edema. This drug demonstrates excellent visual acuity outcomes, as well as excellent drying characteristics compared to 2 milligrams of flibercept. In terms of efficacy, looks like an outstanding choice, and we'll learn more about the relative safety signals later. So in summary, we've got a number of agents to treat patients with diabetic eye disease In the next session, let's discuss the clinical relevance of the latest efficacy data for the use of approved VEGF-targeted therapies in patients with diabetic retinopathy with or without macular edema, highlighting these agents' potential role in disease regression. We learned from Protocol T that we can see significant regression rates of the retinopathy severity regardless of the agent utilized. Remembering that Protocol T was a comparative effectiveness study which evaluated the three most common drugs used in DME management, aflibercept, bevacizumab, and ranibizumab, all demonstrated a significant regression in diabetic retinopathy severity in patients with diabetic macular edema. We saw a similar result in the registration trials for ranibizumab when it was used treating center-involved diabetic macular edema. Of note, the greatest effect on retinopathy regression occurred in a very narrow band of patients that developed moderately severe to severe non-proliferative disease at baseline. In that group that presented with level 47 to level 53 retinopathy, the rates of two-step regression approached 80% in the RISE and RIDE studies. 
This observation was also seen in the registration trials for aflibercept, and this led to the Panorama study evaluating aflibercept therapy for the regression of diabetic retinopathy and the prevention of vision-threatening complications in patients without diabetic macular edema. In these clinical trials, we saw an even more robust reduction in vision-threatening complications and diabetic retinopathy regression, with approximately 80% of eyes treated every eight weeks having a two-step regression, and approximately two-thirds of eyes having a two-step regression when they were treated as infrequently as every 16 weeks. Of note, the overall risk reduction in patients treated with aflibercept with moderately severe to severe non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy of vision-threatening complication was approximately 80%. Finally, protocol W, we saw similar results to the Panorama study demonstrating a significant regression in the rates of vision-threatening complications and a dramatically increased rate of regression of diabetic retinopathy in patients treated with aflibercept. So the good news is when we treat patients with diabetic macular edema or we select patients with severe non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy, we can have a dramatic effect on regression of diabetic retinopathy as well as a almost complete removal of vision-threatening complications. In the next session, let's discuss the safety profiles of approved VEGF-targeted therapies for DME and DR, highlighting long-term safety data. Here we see safety data from the ranibizumab registration trials for center-involved diabetic macular edema. We learned in this trial that the most common safety events associated with anti-VEGF therapy are safety events associated with the intravitreal procedure itself, things like conjunctival injection, issues related to surface disease. The good news is we see very little data suggesting a safety signal from the drug itself. In the aflibercept trials for DME, we saw a similar result with, again, the most common events associated with the intravitreal injection procedure rather than the drug. Another important consideration when evaluating safety data for anti-VEGF therapy is the rate of cardiovascular safety events. This has been a theoretical concern for many years. These drugs, when given in high doses systemically, increase the risk of cardiovascular events. The good news is when these patients are treated with these small doses that are given as intravitreal injections, there have been no safety signals demonstrated with any of the anti-VEGF agents as related to cardiovascular events. So we feel quite comfortable in treating patients with diabetic eye disease with anti-VEGF agents. Fast forward to ferisumab, the dual acting agent and binding both VEGF and ANG2, similar safety events associated with the intravitreal injection and really no safety signals related to cardiovascular events or inflammation. Finally, brolicizumab, a recently approved single acting anti-VEGF agent. We have learned from data from the macular degeneration trials that brolicizumab has an increased rate of intraocular inflammation, unfortunately, an increased rate of more severe events such as retinal vascular occlusion and severe retinal vasculitis. These safety signals did bear out in the diabetic macular edema studies as well. And so this drug, although it's an excellent drying agent, gives clinicians some pause in using as a widespread agent due to potential inflammatory treatment concerns. In summary, we have a wide array of treatment options, most of which have been demonstrated extremely safe through long periods of treatment. And we have a recent agent, brolicizumab, for which we need to be careful due to increased rates of inflammation. 
In the next session, let's discuss treatment selection for patients with diabetic retinopathy with or without diabetic macular edema. Protocol T was a comparative effectiveness study evaluating the three most common anti-VEGF agents used for diabetic macular edema, bevacizumab, ranibizumab, and aflibercept. We saw a more rapid improvement in vision with aflibercept compared to the other two agents. The visual acuity data was superior with aflibercept when compared to bevacizumab. In patients that had vision between 2032 and 2040, the visual acuity outcomes did not appear to differ much between all three treatment groups. However, when patients present with more severe center-involved diabetic macular edema with vision 2050 or worse, aflibercept performs much more effectively than the other two injectable drugs out to one year and two years. A couple of treatment pearls. First, it's important to accurately categorize patients with severe non-proliferative disease if you're going to consider treatment for regression. If you can correctly identify these patients, then the risk reduction of vision-threatening complications is approximately 80%. Secondly, a comment on Protocol V, a clinical trial evaluating patients with vision better than what is typically seen in registration trials for center-involved diabetic macular edema. Here, these patients were randomized to either early treatment with aflibercept or observation. As it turns out, these patients could do equally well with observation, but if they had increasing levels of center-involved diabetic macular edema, worsening diabetic retinopathy, or a history of treatment in the fellow eye, they typically required treatment earlier. And so those are the risk factors for early treatment of patients with good vision and diabetic macular edema. Finally, we have a number of labeled dosing strategies for anti-VEGF therapy, and most clinicians utilize a treatment regimen that is treating patients monthly until they're stable, and then slowly increasing intervals to reduce treatment burden. This is known popularly as a treat and extend model. The good news is verisimab was studied carefully with what's called a personalized treatment interval, which mimics treat and extend. So in summary, we have a wealth of good clinical information supporting the use of a number of anti-VEGF therapies. We have some specific data from Protocol T, which demonstrates a flibercept is an ideal choice for patients with more severe diabetic macular edema. In the next session, we'll hear from a patient who has received anti-VEGF therapy. My name is Cynthia, and I'm 70 years young. I've been an insulin dependent for 37 years, and I take my insulin through an insulin pump. My diabetic retinopathy and macular edema was diagnosed by my ophthalmologist during a routine eye exam. I was seeing swervy lines. The tops of telephone poles were crooked. I told my ophthalmologist and he said that he wanted to do a scan of my eyes. He confirmed I had blood behind my eye and he wanted to send me to a retina specialist. He recommended that I start anti-VEGF injections and that I continue every week until the swelling in my eye improved. That lasted for a couple of months, and then he suggested I go to him every four to six weeks for therapy. He also recommended I keep my blood glucose under good control. For doctors, I say set up the next appointment before the patient leaves. Encourage them when there is improvement and smile. My doctor is always kind, and that makes a huge difference. Ask if the patient has any question and allow a few minutes to answer them, and always be kind. This is worth the pain, and yes, there is pain, but it quickly resolves. The doctor had me go into the waiting room after my diagnosis to make my decision. I started to cry. I heard a woman in the waiting room say, this was me not too long ago. 
that woman made me switch from tears and fears to let's do this. Vision is very precious to me. I want to see the beauty around me. And to do that, I had to fight for it. When I go to the doctor, I first have a vision test, then a scan of my eyes. The doctor's assistant takes me to the exam room and puts numbing drops into both of my eyes. And this relieves a lot of my fear that it's going to hurt. After a few minutes, the doctor comes in, gives me the interpretation of the scan he did, and then injects anti-VEGF medicine into my eyes. My eyes then feel like I'm seeing through a galaxy of stars. It always helps to have my sunglasses on hand afterwards. I'm not able to drive afterwards, so I always make sure that my husband is there to take me home. I no longer see the swervy lines, except when my eyes become tired. I saw my retina specialist this week, and I read 2020 in my right eye and 2030 in the left. I always ask for the first appointment of the day. That way I can get in and I'm out. Now, one time I went in the middle of the day and I walked in and the waiting room was completely full. I waited for almost an hour, so I won't do that again because the anxiety builds up. When you wait in the middle of the day and you start thinking about the injections, then it builds up the anxiety. I think my doctor did a great job by giving me a moment to consider my options in the beginning. I didn't have to do them, but I knew if I wanted to improve my vision, I needed anti-VEGF injections. I have no regrets, not one bit. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.